5: Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. The drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 la da 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 Charleston was once the rage, uh-huh. History has turned a page, uh uh-huh. home. The minute skirts, the current thing, uh uh-huh. Speed goes on, speed goes on the Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain La-da-da-da-dee, la-da-da-da-da The grocery store's are supermarket home Men still keep on my chest up to war Electrically they keep a baseball score And the beat goes on The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain la da da D, dee La-da-da-da-da Grandma's sitting in chairs and this. Boys keep chasing girls to get a kiss The cars keep up going fast goes on, the beat goes on, the drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain, la de da di dee la-di-da-di-da, and the beat goes on, yes the beat goes on, and the beat goes on.
6: Well, good afternoon everybody. It is November 1st, 2017 and prohibition still rages in America and across the world, and the human solution is still here to watch it end, to be part of it ending, to help it along any way we possibly can. My name is Joe Grumbine, and I am currently the CEO and always the founder of the Human Solution International. We are a civil rights organization dedicated to the notion that no one should go to jail for a plant ever, and, you know, as it turns out, civil rights is a pretty broad spectrum, and it turns out we're here to bring justice to the world, bring make the world a better place. We... Currently, have ending prohibition as our primary banner, but we've opened up our focus to disabled rights and veterans' rights and, and other things as well. But let's end prohibition first. Today, um, we got some good news. Today, uh, a couple of good newses, and um, we're going to have some very special guests. It's also the seventh game of the World Series, I'm aware of, and I, you know. Here I am competing with it. What the hell? We're going to do our show, and hopefully you all will join us and stay with us. And um, we're live streaming currently on the uh, public figure page, Joe Grumbine. And um, if you can share that around, more people can see it. Got a lot of things to talk about today. We're going to talk about legalization and its uh, pitfalls and... And, and joys. We're going to talk about licensing and seed-to-sale bullshit, and we'll think, talk about what we think about it, you know? Let's let's be honest about some of these regulations, and what do they mean, and why are we so hung up on them, and why can't we just let this plant be a plant? Um, we're going to talk about the Human Solution International and some of the great things that we do and things that we're here for and, and our coalition and some of the amazing people that we've joined forces with and locked arms with uh we got sharon ravert here actually uh from peachtree normal and i can't wait to hear from my uh, sister sharon and hear what she has to say i guess we've got some good news so you know what i'm gonna hold off on my ranting and raving for a moment and i want to hear me some sharon peachtree normal good news without any more uh blah blah, blah. sharon welcome to the show how are you doing today
2: Hey, I'm doing really well. Um, yeah, thanks for having me again. It's, it's great to be a recurring guest on your show, Joe, because there's so much going on down here in the south and in Georgia. And so when we're not on, that means nothing good really happened that week. So, so I'm always uh, pleased to be on the phone with you.
6: Well, it seems that you've been a, a busy little peach tree out there, and you've been uh, just wrestling up good news every time I turn around.
2: Well, we're doing what we can. We've built a nice uh nice army down here fighting prohibition, and we're just doing it one step at a time and we We revel in the successes and we we um we keep they keep coming, which is a good thing so um you know last week we talked about um more cities coming on uh to try and model and mimic what Atlanta did. And this week, we got a new large city and a couple of small cities that have put forth that initiative. Um, The larger city, which some people may know of, is Augusta, Georgia. Um, And so that was wonderful news. Uh, Next week, we're having a gubernatorial candidate come to our Peachtree Normal meeting as well. Uh, Which is another good thing. He is uh, running as a Republican against the lieutenant governor that has been a thorn in our side for years. And so we're really looking forward to hearing from him. And the even better news and the thing that I uh, contacted you about yesterday is um, we had a trial that was going on in Dublin, Georgia, Lawrence County. And we have a, a wonderful lawyer in the state of Georgia. Her name is Catherine Bernard, and she was on uh, was the lawyer of this case. And what it was is this young gentleman, forty two year old, African American, uh, hardworking dad and and family man, uh, got popped for um, distributing, and he had sold. Directly to an undercover agent Twice Uh, One of the times was actually Videotaped And um, after Catherine uh, took the case And went forth with it And did a fantastic job And the jury went out And 18 minutes later A (laughs) jury came back With two not guilty verdicts and let the man go Home to his family
6: Oh my goodness well, you know, it's it's so refreshing to hear. Now, were you there during the whole trial?
2: I was not able to make it down there. I was dealing with the other things up in North Georgia. Uh, this was in the in Middle Georgia, you know, a small town. And our um, executive director, our new executive director of Peachtree Normal, Tom McCain, and his wife went, and they had they were there for court support. And there were a few other people there and then some of his family. So he had some court support there, uh, thanks to the Human Solutions for teaching us how to do that and, and, and allowing us to uh, do such great work in Georgia. Uh, he had some support there. And I was not able to be there, though. I wasn't there in person.
6: Now, um, I understand we have another bit of good news. Uh, I heard from our, our uh, southern-style chapter that it looks like one of the – POWs we've been supporting just got released
2: and who would that be have I missed something maybe
6: Mo Foley
2: say that again I'm sorry
6: Mo Foley
2: oh wow fantastic
6: yeah yeah I just got I think it was Kim Smith that uh, just posted something I don't know if it was yesterday or today that he was actually released but uh, he's he's back home with his family
2: Fantastic. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I didn't get didn't get that notice yet, but uh, you know, you know how that is when you're in and out I, and all over the place. Sometimes you miss those things. That's fantastic news.
6: I do, absolutely. Well, it's really exciting to see that not only are the jurors starting to figure it out, I'd I would love to talk to somebody who was present in the trial and just, you know, to get a finger on the pulse of the jurors because you know, as I've sat in so many trials, we talk about, you know, a jury of your peers, and I always put air quotes around peers because most of the juries I've seen didn't have much to do with the defendant in any way, shape, or form. But to see that... Well, uh, I, I
2: did hear that the jury was... Um, um, now, this was an African-American young gentleman in his, in his 40s, that the, mm-hmm. that the jury was fairly... Um, you know, well balanced with age differences, men and women and with um, Caucasians and African Americans. So it sounds like you got a decent jury. Um, But yeah, I'd be glad to put you in touch with, um, you know, Catherine, or you know, anybody, I mean, they're ready to, to spread the word about what happened, maybe even the defendant um would be willing to come on but i'll i'll put something together for next week if you're interested in talking to somebody
6: oh absolutely absolutely i think one of the things that is most important and i'm going to be talking about a little later in the show but you know in the past um you know there would be a case and there would be support for the case the case would be resolved one way or the other either a, a plea deal a trial a conviction or a or, or an acquittal, and then you wouldn't hear anything back from them. And what's happening more and more, we seem to be reversing the trend a little bit, is that people that we've supported are are coming back and standing up with us. And we've got a couple of examples of that. One I actually have some really great news to share later on in the show. Um, but, you know, that was always my vision of this organization and, and as a, a, a tool to end prohibition was, you know, you stand on each other's shoulders. Somebody decides, you know, to stand up and be the tip of the spear. You go and you take your lumps, and then you come back down and, and help the others. And uh, it's 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 refreshing to see people willing to, uh, to stand up and at least share their story, if nothing more. So I'd be very, very interested in hearing from anybody connected, especially the defendant. Fantastic. Well, I will put
2: something to get together for you and I look forward to listening to the rest of your show thank you so much for everything you do Joe and everybody out there that's listening you guys keep fighting because we're winning
6: beautiful thank you so much once again Sharon Raybert with Peachtree Normal and she's a warrior woman she's one of the one of the ones that just really uh, walked the walk and and uh, she's she's helping us carry it home making history with the rest of us so um, we will talk to you soon Sharon All right. Um, Hopefully Craig will call in and join us today, Um, and I've got some news that I really want to kind of wait till the end of the show to bring. So, um, Albert, you're going to have to hang on for a little while. I don't know. Like I said, Candace Hawes is going to be joining us in a little while, and Candace is a very special person. She's with Orange County Normal, and it's kind of odd that I've got two normal chapters um, being represented in the show today, but um, Candace is somebody who I've known since the very beginning, since before uh, uh, before my trial, and every time I come up to November, I, I deal with some heavy shit, you know, six years ago, um, I was preparing for a trial, and I started posting the videos of the countdown to my trial, and I'll resume that, but things happen, and um, you know, I get lost sometimes. But, you know, in 2011, I was uh, staring at the face of 12 felony counts of sales of a controlled substance and uh, um, had a rough road ahead and was spent all my time gathering support and bringing people together. And in the very early days before this case had even started and my first case was going on, I reached out to Candace. And uh, she welcomed me with open arms. She was one of the people that, one of the few people that I, I felt comfortable in, uh, you know, sharing my story with. And I felt like she cared. Um, there was something special about that group, Orange County Normal, and uh, still is. Um, I've been a member of their their group as well. Anyways, um, we're gonna talk more about and with Candace as she gets here. I want to welcome a new member to the Human Solution family. And last week, um, a man by the name of Dave Levitt joined our organization. And, you know, there's a lot of things to join, a lot of ways people can help, a lot of things people can do. But I encourage you to find something that is important, so find something that matters enough uh, to hang your flag on it. And whether it's the Human Solution or Peachtree Normal or one of the other organizations that are actually doing something um, besides just, you know, raising money and doing fundraisers, you know, stand with them. There's there's something that makes a, a gigantic difference. As we get a new member or, or you know, multiple new members, um, it reinforces to me that what we're doing is working. You know, 11 or nine years ago, just about, we were in the formation process of this organization, <clears throat> and I've told this story before, but it's a good story, so I'll tell it again. I was uh, at one of the fundraisers, and um, one of the, you know, current advocates de jour, a guy that, you know, had been around forever and, and had seen it all, and I asked him, I said, you know, how are we doing? You know, I put my heart and soul into building this group, and we were raising some money for legal defense and helping out other cases already. We, we barely knew what we were doing, but we were getting started. And he says, you know, I'm, I, I'm I'm impressed, but let's see where you are next year. Well, next year we did another event, and it was similar to the first one, only it was bigger. And I says, what about now? How are we doing now? And he says, he smiled at me, and he says, yep, you guys are coming along. You know, hopefully you'll you'll stay with it. Most groups don't. And about uh, a couple of years ago, and I would have made us four or five, five, or six, five years into it, um, my trial had already been done, and I was awaiting my second trial. In that several-year stint between the two, I ran into him at a at a normal conference, and um, one of the only ones we ever, you know, brought an event, you know, brought our table at, and I said, uh, Bill, I'd like to do an interview with you, and I've got that interview here somewhere, one day I'll, I'll publish it, but I said, what, tell us, tell me about what you see, and he went on to expound about the nature of this group, and uh, the heart that's there, and the fact that, you know, we act like a family, we stand up for each other, we, we, we go the extra mile, we've done things that, you know, most people won't do, um, If you ever get busted, if you ever find yourself on the wrong end of that stick, you'll find one thing happens almost immediately. Everybody you know, for the most part, will run away. They'll disappear. They won't be able to be with you anymore. And hopefully if you have some fortitude and have a few good friends, you'll find that some people will come to your aid. They'll stand by you. And I remember a while ago, One of the people we helped, uh, they were a guest on my show. It's in one of the archives. I said, so tell me, what do you think about the human solution? And they said, you're the ones that we've got your back. If you need your back covered, the human solution's got your back. I said, you know, people say that flippantly, and most of the time they don't really mean it. But this time it's the truth. We do. We've got your back. And what happens is every single time one more person comes into the fold, and ponies up, you know, gives us your big old fifteen bucks. Probably one of the smallest membership dues in the in the in the world. Fifteen dollars for a year. Four twenty a month. You know, the family grows. And the family grows not only in numbers, but in ability and capability, and we know we've got one more that's got our back, that's got your back. What I'm finding more and more our people are stepping up before they get busted rather than just after they get busted. That's kind of refreshing to get a little support ahead of time. We got some big plans. Um, you know, it's been now two years since we had our major growing pains and it took us a minute. We sat there for a year or so and just kind of gathered our, gathered our, uh, our wits about us and then for the next year we've been slowly building. And it's exciting. Because now, finally, um, we're starting to step up into our own shoes again. We're starting to grow. We're starting to, um, we're starting to be able to, to do some of the things I've always envisioned. We have a website that has been newly updated and it's continuing to be updated. And the address is thsintl.org. And for those of you who are new to the organization, uh, we have a button here that says defendant resources and it talks about jury selection and attorneys and jury nullification and there's a button called court support you know one of the things that we do most and we encourage people to do is support Uh, our founding principles are education and support we talk about education we talk about um, ending prohibition and the reason why prohibition is If everybody knew the truth, if everybody knew the whole truth and nothing but the truth, there probably wouldn't be any prohibition, and those that supported it would stand out as dark forces that they might be. When we stand together for each other, and it doesn't matter if you've been arrested, not charged, if you've been charged and not tried, if you're going through a trial, if you've been tried but not sentenced, if you've been sentenced and not locked up, any of those cases, or if you've been locked up, Or if you just got out of prison and you, you know, just getting your head together, we're here. We're here to support you. We've been through it. Many of us have been through it. We've got probably more ex-felons in our um, in our roster than uh, probably any other group out there. You know, we really um, we mean it. We're here for the right reasons. We're an all-volunteer organization. That means nobody gets paid. Not one of us. Not one of us, from the history of our day one, has ever received a dime. So it's important. But we also don't have any sponsor funding. We don't have any major uh, companies that are holding us up. So it's all on us, it's grassroots. That's what it's all about. So, anyways, I want to welcome Dave Lovett to the show, and um, or to the to the family. Hopefully, you're listening, and. I welcome every and each and every one of you to participate. Realize this: if you want to be a part of this family and you don't have $15, give me a call. I'll sponsor your membership. It's not about that. It's not about. It's not about the. You know, you gave $15. It's not about that. It's about. I want to wear the badge. I want to carry the card. I want to carry the banner. I want to be a part of this family. That's what matters. You know, we used to say. Oh, we got volunteer membership, but everybody wanted to be a volunteer membership, but nobody volunteered, not one person. So, you know, now the only way you can be a volunteer member is if you actually are volunteering first, and then you can apply. But definitely, we want you to be part of this, and if you're not part of this, we want you to be part of the coalition. What's the coalition? Well, the coalition is a group of individuals and organizations that are standing together, that aren't hung up on our own egos that we're we're standing together for the purpose of ending prohibition. You heard Sharon say it. Sharon said the right words that we're working together to end prohibition. We're not trying to pass one initial one one initiative or another. We're not trying to legalize this or legalize that, even though that's a lot of people's version of ending prohibition. Those of us that get it get that we're not going to quit till it's done. We're not going to quit till people stop getting locked up for this. We're not going to quit till people stop getting their property taken, their kids taken, their jobs taken, their, their, their ability to work taken. Look, you get a felony on your record, and that F should stand for fucked, because that's what you are for the rest of your life. You don't get to do the same things that the rest of us get to do, and why? Why? Because you had a plant, because you grew a plant, because you made some oil, because you helped somebody out, because you sold a plant? Holy cow, I sold a plant. What the hell? You know, those were the charges they had laid down on me. That was their heaviest thing they had. Sales. Ooh. Well, guess what? I'm not a felon today because I stood tall and I stayed with it and you folks stayed with me. And we won. We all won. I said from day one, this trial wasn't about me. It was for all of us. And it was a victory for all of us. And now today, we stand together. All right. All right. I'm going to talk a little bit. I went to Rhode Island a few days back, and I was able to meet with um, one of the three dispensary license holders in Rhode Island, and I went there in the hopes of putting together a, a wellness center, and it looks like that may happen. It may happen very wonderfully, but I went to do reconnaissance to talk to people, to meet some people and i'm not going to mention names but one of three i don't know if you know the other two you probably could figure it out but this guy came to this meeting about this wellness center as an expert he's a acupuncturist his wife is a herbalist and they were going to contribute to this they probably still want to but we sat down we started talking and you know he was talking about his license and how he had been there from the very beginning and he put all this time and money and lobbying and got this stuff, so he got his paperwork in order. He got his papers. He got his stuff right. And we started talking more about it, you know, and he was he was bummed because, you know, this initiative was happening and that was happening, and, you know, his competition was too fierce. I'm like, he's one of three people, you know. What the hell? We talked about ending prohibition. We talked about, oh, No, he told a story about a guy who was doing some BHO oil and caught his house on fire, and they took his kid, and he he felt kind of good about that. He's like, you know, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to the guy. Now, granted, the guy was a dumbass, and he put his family in danger, and I don't support that at all. But that had nothing to do with pot, had nothing to do, With pot whatsoever, the guy could have been a painter and being stupid about, about you know laying on oil-based paint. There's a million ways to be stupid, but don't make the demon a plant. Plant never did any harm to anybody. And when I started talking to this guy about patients' rights and you know the, I guess they're allowed to grow three plants over there. And I says, well, what if the patient needs four plants? What if he needs ten plants? What if he needs oil? Can't why, why can't they make their own oil? Oh, well, I've got a $250,000 CO2 machine, and I do this, and I make that. I'm like, who cares? I can teach somebody how to make oil with whatever they got laying around in their house. And they can make medicine that can help them. What's wrong with that? And I started laying down the groundwork for it's just a plant. And this guy got a little puffy about it. I kept going. You know, I said, well, what, you know, why is it that you have a problem with people being able to grow for themselves? You know, I frankly don't care. I make products. I do things. Ah, Dave, love it. Welcome to the show. Woo-hoo. Everybody give a big hand for Dave Lovett. He's watching the show right now, and you just got props. I don't know if you've seen it or heard it, but welcome to the family. Anyways, um, I believe cannabis is a plant. Guess what? <laughs> it is. I believe plants are plants. Things are things. Rocks are rocks. And you can do good things with this plant. You can do nothing with this plant. If you wanted to, you could probably do harm with this plant. You could, you could get a whole bunch of them and make a rope out of it and trip somebody up with it. Or you could stack them up in a bale and drop it on somebody's head. But you know what? If they eat that plant, if they smoke that plant, if they ingested it in any way, you're not going to hurt them. So what the hell? You know, why can't we grow this plant? I can't come up with a good reason. I can't come up with the reason why I can't take my plant that I grew and sell it to you without having some gigantic paper trail telling me that I can I'm allowed to or I can do it without whatever. These regulations. These regulations are really ridiculous. California fish passed a law. It's untenable. It's 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 a disaster. And the black market's going to reign supreme just like it did in Colorado, just like it does in Washington, Oregon, New York, Massachusetts, and everywhere else that recreational ends up happening. Does that mean we shouldn't have stores? No, we should have stores. Should there be some kind of rules for the stores? Absolutely, the stores should have rules. But does that mean that individual patients shouldn't be allowed to do what they need to do? Most people that i found in my personal experience, that are sick, are on fixed incomes. They don't have the ability to make money, and they can't afford the price of all those regulations. Craig Cecil is going to be joining us here. And then it looks like we got Candace joining us, and I can't wait to talk to you. Candace, hang on. we got Craig Cecil calling from Terre Haute, Indiana. This call is being recorded
7: and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to decline the call
6: Craig Cecil,
7: how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Actually I have a reason for you to gloat a little bit. <laughs> oh, I like gloating. Right, let's let's hear some gloating. As you remember, uh the human solution and your listeners, uh helped when for about five five months, nearly two years ago, the dental didn't help anybody at all. They they just wouldn't work on anybody. They just refused to do anything. I remember. And you managed to get, you managed to get the attention of a whole lot of people, including the newspapers. <laughs> well, the disaster struck me last Saturday. A tooth broke, one of my teeth. And, uh, it was a molar, and I thought, oh no, you know, you know the medical. Even still, when somebody needs a filling or something, it takes months, sometimes years, just for a filling. And I thought, oh, no, I have this broken tooth. Well, I went in. You have to go in and stand in line at what they call dental sick call. So I went in, showed him my problem, and he says, okay, just wait until there's a call-out. Every day there's a list of where people can go to the doctor or dentist or things like that. They post a list. And um, he says, wait until I'm on the list called the call-out. And I thought, oh, no, here comes the months of waiting.
6: Right, right. I
7: was the very first that was the very first appointment the next morning.
5: No way.
7: <laughs> and I went in and I said, thank you for the fast service. And they go, the last thing we need is you getting on the media again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
6: love it. You know, and, and this is a message the per- to everybody. The, the person after- go
7: ahead. <laughs> yes, and the, the person after me had been waiting over two months for their appointment, the dentist said, you know, he wouldn't even help him yet, so wow. I mean, my tooth is, I'm very happy my tooth is fixed, and, and that was uh, total thanks to the human solution.
6: <laughs> well, you know, it, it's interesting, we were just talking about, um, you know, our family and, and, and how how important it is to me, you know, I mean, I'm a member of a bunch of people's groups, I got no problem supporting other groups, but, you know, the group that, that that We made the group that, you know, we have, this human solution, it's a family. And people don't realize how powerful the action of even a few people can be. And when we do a call to action, it usually reaches out beyond our membership. And there's a number of other groups that do similar work. And, you know, when they see uh, a bunch of us standing up for something that is worthy, they'll pass it along to their folks. And, you know, the word, the word gets out. But I can remember specifically about a year ago when you were telling us about this, you know, strike where the the, the, the medical, the dentist people in, in particular, they would, wouldn't even show up. They weren't going to take any cases. And, you know, geez, I can imagine, you know, in prison where the food is just so darn good that the, uh, you know, your, your teeth are probably doing real good as a result of it can't imagine that there's less need for a dentist in the in prison than outside of it and to hear that they weren't going to do anything and then you know when shortly after i don't know it was about a month-long campaign or so um all of a sudden the dentists came back to work and you know we didn't hear a whole lot more but i always felt like at least we might have had something to do with it but it's exciting to hear that uh you know uh you got recognized for what you did. I like it. Oh yes, like I said, she, she was very emphatic about they weren't gonna go through that again, so they
7: were gonna get
6: me in and out. <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. Well guess guess who I got to meet up with this last weekend? I don't know. Uh George Martorano I was uh I was back on the east coast and he's been you know, he's been free for about a year but he's He's still on paper, so um, he's not been traveling around much. But I, I got within—he drove about five hours to come and meet with me from where where I was at, and we got to spend a couple hours together. And um, he's going to be coming to town. I'll be talking a little bit more about him later. But he's going to be coming to the West Coast. I'm going to try to get him some speaking engagements, and uh, we're going to be working together. I'm going to I'm going to work on you know, building this coalition and getting this message out clearer um, from a guy who served 32 damn years in prison.
7: Fantastic, fantastic. Of course, I know, I know all of him. I, I don't know him personally, but I would love to meet him and so many other <laughs> Well, you
6: know what's interesting is, you know, when I first started talking to you, um, it was, sheesh, almost four or five years ago now, uh, remember that Thanksgiving that uh, – I invited you to call in, and you joined us, you know, for Thanksgiving feast um, a few years back.
7: Oh, very much so, and you had so many of the activists around you at the time.
6: Yeah, we had a whole, a whole, uh, we have this big old patio, and I had it all full of activists, and we had, I don't know, I think 30 inmates call us during the course of the evening, and, you know, we got there 15 minutes, we sponsored those who didn't have money to call, and... And, um, you know, so many of them um, are now out and free. But I remember uh, talking to George back then, and I told him, I said, you know, we're going to keep pounding away till you get free, and we're going to go fishing one day. And sure as shit, he's out, and we're going to go fishing. And you and I had that same conversation, and I, I'll be damned if it's not going to happen soon. Oh, I'm
7: doing my best, so you better leave one fish in there for me.
6: I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can. Hopefully they're, they're breeding faster than I'm catching them. <laughs> I'm looking forward. As you know, so many things are moving. So many things are changing. And even in my, you know, situation,
5: I'm after nearly 16 years, I'm back in court. And the court's trying to figure out, you know, how to readjust my sentence to make up for
6: uh, some of the prosecutorial
7: misconduct so well you I'm know pretty excited about that. that's actually what
6: happened with George is same kind of thing they they there was prosecutorial misconduct they sentenced him very wrongly, and he didn't stop he kept doing what you're doing and he just kept pounding away and eventually he broke through and one judge saw the right thing, saw to do the right thing, and you know what's even great is um I was able to smoke with him, and he said, I said, I don't want to get you in trouble, and he said, "Um, you know what, when I got out, he said, the the PO tried to uh, do a UA on me, and he said, you know what, if you're going to test me, then just put me back in there. Screw you guys. I'm not going to do this, and he had gone through so much, uh, you know, the judge's judge's order that got him out was solid, and the PO didn't want to mess with him, so... He does not have to test, and I was able to smoke a fatty with my buddy George.
7: <laughs> he's complete now, <laughs> except for a little bit of he, paperwork. Yeah,
6: he's still, still on paper, but he'll be off soon, and he was able to tell the feds to go to hell, and they said, okay, we're going. <laughs> so I thought that was, you know, that was one of those things, Anytime. I don't know if you've ever seen, there's, a, there's an old T-shirt that has a, I think it's a mouse that, that's flipping off a cat right before the cat eats him. saying said, the last great act of defiance. And, uh, you know, I can remember right before I walked into trial and they made one last offer and I, I stuck my big middle finger up at them and I said, nah, let's do this. I've always, I've always had a particular fondness for acts of defiance like that. So it made me, made me real happy.
7: There's definitely a place for me. <laughs>
6: well, it's not like you don't take your lumps for it sometimes, but you know what? When you get away with it, when it works, there's just nothing sweeter. There's just nothing sweeter. So has there been any progress with your diet? Have Has there been any evidence that calls and letters have been coming in? Yes.
7: In the last week especially, um, our food They actually meet the size of of the serving they're supposed to be giving us.
6: Oh, that is fantastic.
7: And they won't talk about it. Hey, we don't care if they
6: talk about it, just give it up. Right? (laughs) Well, I tried
7: to poke around to see why the change.
6: (laughs) Right, right. Well, you know, we're going to keep the pressure on because, you know, in my opinion, Sometimes they give you a little, uh, you know, a little something, and then they go back to their ways. I think as they know that that we're watching, and as they know that, um, you know, they're not able to get away with everything. You know, they get away with plenty as it is, but when they know that people that care are are keeping an eye on things and, and they'll sound off when they hear about something not right, it makes a difference. And, you know, we try to tell everybody, People go, what can I do, what can I do? You know, I don't have money, I can't drive, I can't this and I can't that. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how capable or incapable. If you can write a letter, if you can pick up a phone, if you can send an email, if you can click a, type a a, a complaint into the BOP site, you can make a difference. And this is proof of that. I think the, the
7: biggest difference on the food is if people could just email or, or drop a Mail mail letter to their congressman, and the congressman uh, contact the BOP, where the director of the Bureau of Prisons and the, the warden from the institution here have to answer the congressman as to what's going on with the food. And I think a few of those probably made the difference, because the warden and the director of the Bureau of Prisons in Washington
6: D.C. certainly doesn't want to hear that you know, that they're spending all this money on the prison and they can't even effectively feed the prisoners. Well, it's it's so true. It's so true. And, you know, one of the things that I, I'm working to do with the, the coalition, and we're getting more and more capable people and groups, I, I, I'm trying to bring, you know, a coalition meeting together and, you know, come up with some of these simple uh, formulas. And I think that, you know, if other groups can work off of a, of, of a game plan um it will seem as though it's all one united front which it'll in effect be just that and i think that that's the key to it all
7: and as you know i i think this is the time for uh our congress to do something you know about decriminalizing or de- killing marijuana even if it's some sort of step-down process but uh I've seen that the, uh, a poll i seen this week showed that 68% of Americans approve of the legalization of marijuana. The Congress would have to follow that. I, I, just in my mind, they they can't ignore
6: that. Well, you know, if you were to win an election by 68%, they would consider that a landslide. And so, you know, any time that 60% of, of voters... Say anything all those elected officials better start listening because you can better believe that that's what we're doing whether you let us or not and it's what we support and it's what we're here for so um, if it's important enough and and we make our our voices heard they're gonna act and and I believe that in the next couple of years we're gonna see regardless of what happens in the executive office I think we're going to see some big changes come out of Congress.
7: I think so. I think so because I think they're finally going to bring these these bills through the committees. They're finally going to bring them for a vote. I, I believe that time is here.
6: Well, there's a there's a bill coming through that's that's on a timeline and uh, Lisa Sublet with Bleeding Kansas is working on a on a a, a, pro, a project for the coalition and hopefully she'll be calling in later on in the show to tell us about it but um there's a deadline coming up in a a month or so and there's if we make a big push um you know hopefully we can get this thing through it's been since 2013 that this bill has been in one form or another been bouncing around committees but it's one that reverts to states rights it gives the states the choice to decide whether they want to uh allow for schedule one or not and it respects the The state's rights and to me, it's the strongest thing of all because it should be a state issue, not a federal issue at all
7: I agree. I agree. Let the the feds, you know, in some sort of step-down operation, you know, just completely do away with Marijuana being a a schedule anything, you know, drug and let the state step up and, you know, uh, criminalize it in their states if they haven't already you know, let the states figure out what they're gonna do with it just as they do with gambling and so many other things
6: exactly if the if the voters of a state want to criminalize an act, then so be it. It's the will of the people, but to have it to be nationally illegal is a crime in itself well thank you uh Joe,
5: for the help with the demosphere that yeah. <laughs> they they made such a point that
7: that you and all the other activists made such a big difference, and hopefully the Poodle will have the same victory.
6: Well, we're going to keep pounding until we get it. And, Craig, as always, I'm just glad you could join us. And, uh, you know, I keep wanting to hear more good news every time. And there it is, second beat. Craig Cecil from Terre Haute, Indiana, um, serving a life sentence for pot while so many other things happen. All right, I've got Candace Hawes here. I've got Amy Case King from uh, Yucatan in Mexico, and hopefully Amy can stick around until uh, Candace has had her chance. But, um, you know, I've known Candace for, shoot, I think for eight years, maybe longer. And um, I have worked with a lot of people over the years. I have worked with a lot of groups over the years i have tried to work with even more um there are always problems when you have a group of people there's always scandals there's always uh dramas there's always um things that keep you from what you're here to do and i have watched candace for the last eight or nine years um Navigate these waters with uh, with grace and, and um, just a, a great presence. I've never ever heard anybody say anything bad about Candace Hawes, and I don't know that I could say that about anybody else, including my damn self. So, Candace, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you so much for the kind words. It's it's too much, really, but I really appreciate it. We've loved working with you guys too since the very beginning of the Human Solution.
6: Well, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people don't know the the very, you know, the history of the Human Solution. But um, before we were even an organization, um, a bunch of us had gotten together, members of different groups. And I don't know if you remember that that meeting right around Easter time over at Charles Monson's house. But yeah. uh, I don't know. It's about nine or ten of us got together. And and we decided we were willing to work together for something a little bigger than, than, than ourselves. And um, ultimately that was what spawned the human solution. And um, I've worked with a lot of groups and for one reason or another, you know, there's always egos and headaches and hassles and somehow orange County normal has always been able to hold its head high. And um, we've, we've, We've always been able to work well together and, and support each other's um uh, uh missions and, and, and projects and goals and, and it's just been a it's been a treat. Um
1: Yeah.
6: Here's it really go. Has, you
1: know, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I mean it all I think comes from both of our groups and you know our the goodwill that we have. The the specific intention of both our groups is to, you know, educate people, to assist people, to change lives when, you know, there's a lot of people out there nowadays when, you know, their sole focus nowadays is, you know, this new industry and making money, you know. But um, we've stayed, both of our groups have stayed focused on what's most important, you know, and that cannabis saves lives, not just makes people money.
6: Exactly. And and most importantly, I think, is that it shouldn't be a crime, you know. I mean, even if it didn't save lives, it just made you feel better, but it didn't hurt anybody, you know how do you get a crime and and you know i've I've watched members of of you know Orange County Normal show up in courtrooms and protests and and be there for each other. and I think that that's powerful. You know it's funny years ago, uh, I was a guest on your show um, a couple of times, and I think the very first radio show I did was was your uh, your podcast that you did and yeah uh, radio show. Yeah, yeah, exactly, with uh Patty and uh mm-hmm. and uh some of the others. And um and I've done your show two or three times over the years. Are you still doing
1: it? Yeah, they're actually still doing it. They tape at Cannabis Talk One on One Studios and I'm a a dropping guest here and there. Oh um, you know, it's, I'm still doing normal. I've been doing that for fourteen years and now I now have a full time job or ha- part time job and I'm a mother, so Things have really changed, so I still try to stay as involved as I can in all these different things. Um, But, yeah, I remember having you on back then, and I remember back then how we were talking about, you know, some of our just local patients and friends that were going through horrible court cases and how you guys were really there, like the only group that was giving local support and driving all the way down in the middle of the night to be at people's (laughs) court hearings, you know. So we were talking about that now back then and, amazing how it's changed you know no longer are we getting up every single morning but we still have a, a lot of battles to fight
6: yeah it's interesting um i i find that i hear a lot of stories about raids and i hear a lot of stories about you know people getting arrested or charged or not i never really hear much more but not a lot of people especially not in orange county um and even la county do i hear about cases going to trial um and yeah. you know, i'm not in orange county very much but you hear about the raids. you hear about this and that, and then nothing. Um, are these cases getting dropped or are they getting filed? What's going on?
1: Um, I think a lot of them aren't even getting filed. It's still a, a little bit of what was used to go on before where they would just, you know, raid people, take their property, really kind of scare them and just hope that these people would, you know, not come back into the industry and keep doing what they're doing. Um, but you're right. I don't have a lot of people contacting me saying, you know, I'm having, I have a court date, I have this happening or that happening. And even when I ran, have run into some of the local attorneys like Chris Lou, and I ask him, you know, like what's happening? Is there still a heavy caseload? Um, and he says that they are actually still seeing um, marijuana cases, and that actually they're um, the way that they're prosecuting the ch- cases have flipped. They're not being like really hard and strict like they did with jeff shunk remember how horrible he was and how like marijuana was demonized and like you know like anyone that used marijuana was a horrible person nowadays they're using a prosecutor that's really cool and hip and she's like we all know marijuana is legal everybody uses marijuana you just have to play within the rules you know so like it's actually getting harder to prosecute these cases because they're switching the way they do it but i think that there's less of them like you were saying either because they're still not getting filed or people are pleading out. Um, right. You know. I think and, and maybe that's, nowadays that's a, people are embarrassed too because, you know, there's oh, know. <laughs> so much out there. And it kind of like muddies up, you know, your your name business-wise. You know, if someone got raided or has charges, no one's going to do business with them. You know, so they just try to handle it, maybe take a plea or whatever, you know, and just keep doing business, you know.
6: I I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. It's... It, Funny thing, when when you get busted, there's such a stigma that comes to you. And, you know, yeah. you watch people you've been friends with for years, and they, and they, they, they run the other way, you know, all of a sudden.
5: Yeah.
6: Or, you know, especially in, in the business, whether it's legal or dark, gray, whatever it is, as soon as somebody gets busted, nobody wants to go near you because what happens to people that take plea deals, typically they become rats. And, yeah. you know, people know that. And so it's, I, I think a lot of times, really, most of the cases have always gotten pled out. But there was mm-hmm. a time when the stakes were so high that a few yeah. of us would take a stand and people would rally around them, and, and, and that yeah. kind of thing would make a difference. So hopefully, um, you know, they are truly backing down. The only problem is, as you know, when they get the regulations all figured out, then it's yeah. easy to off and say well you didn't have your paperwork in order and then all of a sudden even people that are supporters they'll get behind that and say well they didn't have their paperwork in order and you know some people are okay with people getting locked up because they didn't have their paperwork in order and i understand that you know in business especially you got to do certain things to do business but you know if you're providing for for your patients if you're if you're providing a service that's not a storefront business and, um, you know, there's, in California we always allowed that to happen. And now, you know, mm-hmm. we're not sure how it's all going to play out, but there's a lot of fear that in, same as in most of the other states that have passed recreational, the, the patient's rights kind of get beat up. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I know you're connected in the industry with a lot of these uh, businesses and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, what do you say about people who are, you know, cancer yeah. survivors Fighting cancer and can't afford, you know, forty, fifty, seventy dollars
1: a gram for oil. Oh, I know. I have, I have a lot of issues. I mean, I know that you know we're going to have some problems with supply. You know, the testing labs have spoke on it. Um, you know, the the amount of companies are going to be able to comply with the regulations and get product on the shelf. There could be gaps, you know, and it could be expensive. And and going back to what we were talking about before, you know, I think that we might see the caseloads increase, you know, when these new regulations go in in effect and people are trying to still provide under the old, you know, um, guidelines that we had. But, yeah, I had a lot lot of problems with Prop 64. Um, You know, it's not perfect, definitely, and the regulations as well. Um, As you guys know, a year after the date that they let the applications out, which is January 1st, they're going to get rid of collective cultivation. So that no longer means that a cancer patient um, being, or someone I should say that's caregiving for multiple cancer patients will no longer be able to do that. You'll only be able to grow for yourself and someone that you're a designated caregiver for um, under the state definition of what a caregiver is. So it's really going to make it hard for those small collectives That we're trying to provide for a small group of really seriously ill patients, it's going to completely get rid of that model unless people are able to fit within the definition of a a designated caregiver. Um, So I see that there's going to be a lot of problems. Also, the fact that under the new regulations, there's no longer gifting. So, you know, companies and dispensaries won't be able to to just give medicine to patients. Um, Although they could do things like, you know, 25 cents or charge a dollar for it, you know, but they're not going to make it as easy for people to just give marijuana away to those that need it.
6: Well, I, I think that we still have a lot of work to do. I'm hoping that, um, you know, I guess they put off um, enacting the regulations for even a little bit longer because they figured out that they didn't have it figured out good enough. Hopefully there will be more discussion and more, um, you know, more outcry from the people Um, You know I think what will happen Unfortunately though is there's going to be Rather than that there will be a backlash And you know um, Prosecutors Love to prosecute And you know when they get When they feel like they're capable of doing it Again I I have a feeling that uh, It's going to swing back around And unfortunately I think we're going to have to stand up And stand up for what's right once again And uh, you know We have cases in, in Colorado Cases in Washington and Every other state that's legal, yeah, they have the sure. same issues. So so just because it's legal so
3: doesn't mean that
6: there's I... no
1: more cases.
6: <laughs> yeah, well, of course. We've got to make it to where there's no more cases. I, yeah. I haven't seen you since you had uh, your baby, who's no longer a little baby anymore. So we haven't <laughs> bumped into you much in a little while. But I want to congratulate you for uh, being a mama. And, you know, that's Thank such you. a life-changing point of view. And, you know... One of the biggest things that we fight and we've we fought for are you know the the just the rights to have this plant no matter what. And what do you think the the regulations are going to change? Um, you know where where CPS gets involved and starts coming after people because they they had one too many plants or they had um, whatever. Maybe they weren't a hundred percent compliant. How do you think that's going to affect? Um, you know, snatching kids, even though, even though, you know, it's so-called legal. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, even if someone has too many plants and they have an interaction with the police, um, parents should always be careful to maintain a household where if someone came in at any point, it's safe, you know, so like all cannabis is put away and locked up, you know, there's nothing that the child could get to even in the fridge that, you know, they could say is, you know, dangerous for the child. Um, because, you know, there, there, there is, this could happen. You know, now that it's legal, people could more openly be smoking in their backyard, which could make their, their neighbors mad. Their neighbors could call CPS. So there could be a rise in the, in the encounters with CPS. Um, one part of Prop 64 did say, though, that if you're a medical marijuana patient with an ID card, then um, you have parental rights, and they can't hold your status as a patient against you. So that is a bonus. I mean, it's kind of always been, you know, helpful, but now I guess this is supposed to give us another layer of protection um, if you're a medical marijuana patient. So that's another thing, too. It, you know, if you have kids, I would say keep your recommendation. Don't just rely on being recreational enough to protect you.
6: Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that our strength is, and, that you know, part of the coalition is, is the idea of sharing things that work. And, you know, yeah. I've always said, everything you can to protect yourself as much as i hate the regulations if you can follow them follow them if you can get a a a card that says i've got a right to do something extra do it you know do everything you can to protect yourself because typically what it does is it gives you a defensible position and if you ever need one you definitely want it um you know you don't want to be in a spot where you have to rely on the mercy of a jury because they tend to not be very merciful um, so you know, I got one little question, and it's a funny thing because every year, you know, since I was a kid, you hear about Halloween and watch out people put razor blades and apples and you know all these terrible things people do to Halloween candy. And of course, you know now that cannabis is becoming available in you know what thirty-eight, forty states now, uh, there's our our antagonists. Are always saying, well, now there's going to be this big rise of kids getting poisoned, and especially on Halloween. Did you hear of a single incident of a kid getting poisoned with pot candy this year?
1: No, I didn't, and I never actually have. And I've seen a uh, article on Facebook yesterday, you know, countering the same thing, how ridiculous it is, it is. You know, people aren't wasting money giving free drugs to strangers, let alone children. You know. That's always been one of those fears, but I've never heard of it happening one single time.
6: I think people will steal your pot faster than they'll give it away to your kids.
1: Yeah, huh? <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a line at your door, you know?
6: <laughs> exactly. Somebody's giving away something for free, you bet. The kids would be lining yeah. up. Well, Candace, is there anything that you have going on right now um, that, that you want to bring attention to?
1: Uh just uh Orange County Normal is about to hold its annual holiday party December 9th if you're in Orange County and then next year we're going to start an educational campaign really to aimed towards the recreational users of you know go low and take it slow. So um we'll definitely be talking to you guys when we um on lunch, when we launch that.
6: Excellent. And I I want to bring something uh uh you guys still meeting every month?
1: Yes, we meet twice a month um Second Tuesday, first Tuesday of the month or second Tuesday of the month uh, or Wednesday of the month, we have our regular meeting. And then the last Wednesday of the month, we have our business and industry meeting where we help people get ready for applying for licenses.
6: Okay. Um, I just spent some time over the weekend uh, speaking with George Martorano, who was serving a life sentence. He served 33, 32 years in prison, and he got out last year. Um, him That's and I amazing. are going to begin working working together on some projects, but he's going to be coming to the West coast near the holidays. I don't know exactly when he's coming, but, um, if I can, if he comes out during when, when your, uh, December 9th event is coming, would it be possible for me to give him some stage time?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And you know what, we would put together something for him to work around his schedule anyways, I think. So definitely let me know when he can come down and, we'll plan something so that everybody in Orange County can meet him and hear a story.
6: Fantastic. He's going to be excited. He, he put it on me to, to go get him some events booked and other people as well. Yep. But I really want to, the, the guy, he's an amazing individual. And, you know, when you talk to him and you think about what he's been through, imagine being locked up for 30 years. Hell, you're not even 30 years old. Imagine being yeah. your whole life in prison. You know, I, I, I couldn't even imagine not being angry, bitter, and just miserable. And this guy is yep. a delight. He's he's, yep, he's we've, positive. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, we've sent him cards over the years, so we can't wait to meet him.
6: And he remembers. He, he's so so grateful. Like I said, he drove five hours to come visit with me um, in Rhode Island last week. So he just he's That's real grateful so cool. for the support. And so he's out. He wants to do some good. So I will let him know that for sure. All right, Candice, if anybody wants to get involved with Orange County Normal or any of your projects, how would they reach you?
1: Yep, all of our meetings are free and open to the public. Go to orangecountynormal.org, and you can uh, reach me through the contact portal.
6: Fantastic. All right, once again, Candice Haas from Orange County Normal, um, one of my longest activist friends in the in the whole deal. <laughs> it's uh, always a treat, and uh I'm glad everything's going well, and I, I, I wish you continued success.
1: Thank you so much, Joe. Have a good evening.
6: All right. You take care. All right, folks. Um, you know, again, in this in this movement, in this industry, in this world of cannabis, you know, there's every kind of person in the world. And, and you know, if you've been around for a while, you see things come and go. You see good and bad and sideways. Um, what we're doing is kind of bringing together – The the exceptional people And Countess is definitely an exceptional person Alright, let's bring up Amy Case King And then we got Lisa Sublet. I know Lisa always has some good news for us And I believe she's got a mission to share with us And then after that we've got a really special announcement So stay tuned for all of this Um, Amy, I have not talked to you in so long How are you doing today? Welcome to the show
0: Hey Joe, how are you?
6: I am doing great. It's been so long. How have you been? It
0: has. You popped up in my feed. We're not we're not Facebook <laughs> friends anymore. And um, you know, I did appreciate your message. But your your um came up, somebody else shared you, I was like and they're like, you know, you can call in and talk to Joe. I said, I'm gonna call in and talk to Joe because I would much rather
6: you, be and your Facebook friends, so let's just let's just keep it real. And you know the public figure page I did because most of the people I was connected with, that was what we were connected with. So it's the same thing. We're just connected God here thing. now.
0: I missed the nursery posts, so though. I got to tell you,
6: even though oh, we're so far removed. <laughs> this is a secret gang, uh, I might might drop you back in. A request, will bring you back. <laughs>
0: It's. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm not actually. I'm just letting you know. I. I do miss seeing your feed. So, um, but I saw you, and I thought, let me call Joe, and, and just say, hey, Joe, thanks for doing what you do, and um, still doing what you do, and you've been doing for so long. I just
6: well, wanted I was, to say I that was, to you. I was cursed with a thing inside of me that doesn't know how to quit, and. You know, as much as I would love to quit sometimes, I don't know how. So I, I set on a mission to end prohibition and it's still got prohibition. Now you're down in oh in, in Mexico. God. I that you guys have passed uh some something that allows for cannabis in Mexico. What's that about? Oh, uh,
0: yeah. Well, you know, don't believe alternate news, fake news.
6: Okay. Um we
0: do th- there was legislation passed um it's it's nowhere near in effect um it is no by nowhere effective at all. um The fact of the matter is only one product has technically been approved for um, importation. I know others are trying, but basically what that means in this moment is case by case. Each person must convince their doctor to write them a recommendation. They have to have a specific product in mind. They have to know the batch number and the lot number and the product description, and all of that goes on the application um, to the health authority, the federal health authority. Once you submit that paperwork, they either approve you or don't, and then you have to pay the exorbitant prices that they're charging for technically CBD isolates um, plus oh, no. importation, plus the tax. Oh yeah. So right now we're in a th-freezy, th-freezy, th freeze zone. And um, the new law that's going to that everyone claims that provides medical marijuana legalization basically um, is written as pharmaceuticals isomers or stereochemical variants. Nowhere in there is plant even, is, is even mentioned. Um, it doesn't provide any utility for home cultivation, um, and we're waiting right now. The regulations by the letter of the law should be um, in place in December of 2018, but we don't even have an idea what that even's going to look like. So that's the real about um we of course operate in civil disobedience you know
6: well, um reasons I like you so damn much
0: You know we do what we have to do but the thing about it the sad part is is that so many people want access I have people contacting me daily um because I am very vocal here and um so they're like, you know, how do I get this CBD? And the, the sad part is illegally, I can't even make them CBD cuz I don't have testing facilities. I can't tell you what what my material is testing at. You know? So it's it, it is what it is right now and we're just trying to. So I actually just started a company and what we're going to try to do is open up the market and so that it's not a monopoly. Where they're charging 6,500 pesos for 5,000 milligrams of CBD, THC-free. So you know we're talking isolate, and um, I mean you do the per gram price on that. Um, these people don't even make 6,500 pesos in an in an entire six months. So it's, wow. it's just out of reach. It's just out of reach.
6: So so this exactly. company that you're in right now, um, what do you what is your thought? Um, you know, is it gonna be able to get off the ground or Are you gonna get um you know, sometimes as you know, um if you've been watching the stuff we do and, and I, I, I know you know, um, being vocal sometimes has its backlash. Sometimes um the big mouth becomes a, a bullseye target. Um What's your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, I, I am vocal where I know at least I'm in the states and I've got some chance at at justice. Not that I, you know, believe in our system by any stretch. Um, but it, you know, you hear horror stories about the Mexican justice system. What what is your your thoughts about all that? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I, I lay low. As far as that goes, as far as the company goes, um, I actually set that up so that it is actually uh, majority ownership of Mexican nationals because I want it to remain that way. I'm not coming down here trying to uh, infiltrate and and, and, and and monetize on that. My sole purpose in this is to expand access to the millions let's just say even tens of thousands of persons who could benefit from um, whole plant cannabis. And so that's the purpose of the company is to continue to educate, to promote health symposiums. Um, we lit, This is a very Catholic nation. Um, fortunately, we have support of the, the highest or the next to the highest person in Mexico City, the Cardinal. There actually supports uh, medical cannabis and we have him on record of saying that so really it's just a lot of education people want this the culture of mexico defines that the seniors of this of this country actually know about cannabis even when mexico made cannabis Ill- prohibited long before the United States did. They did in 1920. They brought it back for, like, two years. That president was ousted, blah, blah, blah. But we, they, they did it here in Mexico 15 years bef- long before the United States did. Um, and that was strategic, again, through um, negotiations of, of little battles that were going on. However, even after it became illegal, there wasn't a home that you couldn't find cannabis alcohol tincture in their cupboard or on their shelf next to their bed because these people knew the value of it as a pain reliever without question a friend of mine who who's an american who was actually a, an immigrant to the to the US who was deported um, recently so his grandmother just got here like two weeks ago. I'm not kidding you, she's ninety one. She said to Josue, Hey, Josue, do you have any marijuana for me to, to put <laughs> in I'm not kidding you. so he says to her, I don't know, grandma, let me look around. So <laughs> you know, and I just saw him last night. He's part of my part of my team down here. to to make this happen. Um, And so it is known for its medicinal value, and the government is on board with that. We just have to begin to show why whole plant is better than than isolate at this juncture. We're just in this baby step. Um, Another thing behind that, let me just add, although the federal government similar to the United States, passes a law or a measure, there are 31 states in Mexico. Each state then has an obligation to begin to implement the program. So now we've got to wait for 31 states to each individually make the assimilation to whatever this program is, and we don't really know where the state governments are on that. And there's going to be many that are resistant to it. So there's a lot of pieces and moving parts here.
6: I'll share a little secret with you. Back in 1987, uh, I began to study medicinal herbs uh, because of a lung condition I had, and I didn't like the medicine that they kept making me take. And I began to grow medicinal herbs. Of course, I was already growing pot, but it turned out that I found a recipe in a book, I don't know if you remember those things, but they're these funny things that are made out of paper and they got pages and and lots of cool <laughs> information. I have oh, bookshelves, so. Oh <laughs> well, I had this library I created out of old herbal books that I found in old used bookstores and and estate sales and whatnot, and I found recipes for this liniment, this uh, uh, alcohol tincture of marijuana, and so. I made it back in 1987, and I come to realize I had a a, a partner in crime. So I sp- said, "Well, what did you make it with?" And it just so happened I made it with. I went down to Mexico and I got some Kanye, you know, 192 alcohol, and I said, "I made it out of this." He goes, "Oh, that means we can drink it, right?" Yeah, we could drink it. And guess what? <laughs> I stumbled into a, a magical world. Um, You know, like I said, back in 1987, I think it was 1989 that they discovered the endocannabinoid system, and 1996 that we, in California, decided there was some kind of a medical thing. So it's exciting to see that, you know, the old ways are are still alive and well, and, and the knowledge, even though we got a lot of new knowledge, there's old knowledge that still has value.
0: Sure does, sure does. It, it is gonna. It's an exciting time. Um, again, I, I'm on. I'm more on your. You, we all have our part in this, and so I'm more on the education and awareness and awakening side of it. Um, and then I kind of step back because there's there just continues to be loads and loads of people who really just have no clue about the science. All they know is the um, gamut of, of of racist innuendo and. Um, you know stigma attached to cannabis use so we're, we're just going to keep trudging away at little by little and telling talking with people as much as possible because the face of cannabis has changed so much um from from 25 years ago and um now it's it's families who are coming forward for their family member to relieve their suffering so the dynamic has changed significantly and the more that we see failed medications and people grasping for hope they're they're more accepting and aware of of the potential so so we see new advocates coming out every single day and so thank you again for what you do. I'll have to call back and tell you a horrible story about, maybe you even had her on the show, I'm not sure, um, Erica Marie Tucker from Burleson, Texas. Because, you know, I, I hail from Texas, but I yeah. live down here. So she was a well, breastfeeding mother with epilepsy.
6: Wow. She She took a plea, her
0: and her husband. Yeah, we'll Uh, have to talk about it. It was terrible because she had no court support. And, man, did she really get railroaded. And I'd really like to have a conversation about where are the trial lawyers. I know you say don't ever take a plea, but where are the trial lawyers? These people get in these situations, and they feel bullied, and they feel desperate, and... This young mother pled guilty to five felony counts of child endangerment. One of her children with a hair test, one of her children with a hair test had minuscule detection. And, and again, not even sure that it wasn't a false detection because it was never addressed uh, or investigated but they literally because she kept losing attorneys because she couldn't afford to pay for them so she had to check in all the time blah 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 so they the judge the last time he had her there said do you have an attorney she says well no more he says well i'm appointing you an attorney today and you will make a decision about what you're going to do with this case before you leave and through with a public defender and within three hours without a single family member without a single friend in her community this is a church going woman with epilepsy she pled guilty to five felony charges of endangering her children and they never even found a drop of marijuana in her house she had a seizure and that resulted in uh, emergency care and the the ambulance people saw pipe sitting on her table and asked her did she use Cannabis, and she said, when I feel a seizure coming on, I do. They asked her, are you breastfeeding your child? She said, my youngest, yes. He was 22 months old. They reported her when they got to the emergency room. By that evening, they'd taken all five of her children from her home. Uh, And they put her 12-year-old daughter uh, through a sexual abuse exam in that case.
6: You know, they got all these resources to do and yet, you know, there's real crimes going on. Well, I definitely would like to talk more about this case, and even with the with the defendant. Um, and I certainly would like to talk about where are all these people? Where the supporters, number one, and where the attorneys. And you know, we're, we're building a coalition with the hopes that um, you know there will be some some pride in standing together. And you know, it's a brutal uphill battle, but. That's what we're here for So I absolutely would love to um, Continue this discussion And you know That's that's the whole point of all this
0: Exactly Well I'll make sure to, to get Erica To reach out to you And then we, we can schedule a time to talk Because, yeah, I mean, the, the whole trial attorney issue, especially when you have significant cases like this, there was multiple issues. This is a breastfeeding mother. This is a child that really was minimally exposed. None of the other children were. And she was charged under a statute that didn't even contain cannabinoids. It was all... Chemical compounds, meths, and, you know, any other, there was a thousand, there was 170 definitions, and cannabinoids wasn't one of them. She was charged under that. Why didn't a trial attorney, these normal attorneys, these, you know, David Sloan of Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, loves his broad of, of parading himself about being the lord, tells two, to a married couple of five children $25,000 each to represent you stand up wow. and take a case that that means something that means that mothers won't be bullied when they breastfeed their children with a less toxic substance than the epilepsy drugs that they're being prescribed and or can afford so i mean that was a case that 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 clearly should have had representation that didn't cost them $25,000 each he her husband subsequently also pled guilty i just asked her the night before uh, while I was waiting to speak to you. He also has pled guilty now to five counts of, of felony child endangerment, five years probation, 120 community service hours. So it's just a, it's a horrific nightmare. and it, And it should have never happened. No cannabis was ever, ever confiscated. No children yeah. were harmed.
6: Even if it was... Even if it was, they've never, ever proven that cannabis causes harm to a child, no matter what. Even even if that kid had gotten that cannabis and eaten it, which is the only thing they could have done, it couldn't have hurt them. Okay. They might have uh, a little upset stomach and puked it up, just like if you ate grass or a piece of bush, but... It's not gonna ever hurt. Or any of the other
0: one thousand objects that the poison control actually gets calls for that kill them every year.
6: Exactly. Well please so. let's let's get in touch. I mean that's absolutely what this is all about. That's what the human solution's is about, that's what this show's about, that's what I'm all about. So let's see what we can do. Hey, I'm able to even satisfy community service hours and have satisfied community service hours in Texas before. So who knows? Awesome. Maybe we can at
0: least. Help. That would be great. Hey Joe, it was great to talk to you.
6: Likewise. All right. Well, I uh, always a pleasure. I'm so glad to have finally gotten back in touch with you in person, and uh, let's 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 keep it up.
0: Stay stay cool, Joe. Take care.
6: Once again, okay. Amy Case King, from Yucatan, Mexico. Okay. Um, I got Lisa Sublet who bounced off, but she's gonna bounce back on. <clears throat> and I'm gonna yap for a minute bef- before she comes on. I, I got brought to my attention today. You know, now that all this this legalization and regulation and all these things are happening, um, there's a lot of marketing, and there's a lot of people that are, you know, uh, believing that you know everything needs to be regulated better because it's going to keep us safe. And every single state that has regulations has a seed-to-sale tracking. And somebody sent me one of their, you know, oh, we've got this software, seed-to-sale. And I says, what the hell for? You know, why? Why do I have to know where that plant was grown, where it was processed, where it was cured, where it was dried, where it was extracted, where it was formulated, where it was turned into this, where it got shipped over there. I don't give a goddamn, all right? Think about this for a second. When was the last time you bought a steak and you cared where that steak was grown, where it was butchered, where it was hung to cure, where it was wrapped up, where it was shipped? You just want to make sure it's safe and fresh, right? What about your apples? Where was that grown? Well, you might care. Is it grown local or not? Well, that's on you. If you want it to be local, get it local. But what does that have to do with safety, really? At the end of the day, let's test the product that it's made from the finished product and have a reasonable parameters of what that should say. Have it be like everything else. If they were to test bottles of wine and concentrate that wine, I guarantee you they're going to find pesticides, heavy metals, and all the stuff that they say we can't have in pot. not saying I want it in pot. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying when you say four parts per billion of a compound that is found in every goddamn thing, it's found in the air, it's found in the water, it's found in soil, it blows over from the guy next door, and you're going to ruin a crop because of some minuscule amount that they've never proven to be carcinogenic at all? Not saying we should have chemicals on things. I'm just saying, you gotta treat things like things. If it's a crop, treat it like a crop. Nobody asks where their uh, box of Oreo cookies came from. Nobody asks where anything came from unless they're doing a buy local thing. Then buy from your local farm, and you know it came from there. I personally support that. I personally support local industry, local business. But if I need to buy a product, and my concern is safety. The seat to sale is bogus. You know what the seat to sale's is for? It's to make sure that nothing gets diverted, make sure that the state doesn't lose a nickel. That's all it's for. So just be mindful of that. As we got all this marketing and all of these, these projects and regulations, what's the purpose? If the purpose is our safety, then it should make sense. It should be reasonable, and it should have something to do with safety. But if it's all about protecting that little tax dollar, I don't know. Be clear about it. That's all I'm saying. I don't have any problem with giving Caesar what Caesar wants. Just make it so where there's a way that you can do it for yourself and not have to pay these exorbitant fees, taxes, and regulations. Because remember, above all, it's a plant. All right, Lisa Sublet, my friend Lisa Sublet, my sister from another mister. Another warrior woman from Kansas, place that I hope not to have to go back to, but would want to go back only with an invite from a friend or two for something positive. That would be my hope. Unfortunately, I fear that likely it will be something other than that, but we've got some things going on, and Lisa has been a part of the coalition since its inception. Uh, the UCCA, uh, as it was developed from the very beginning uh lisa was a part of it and we're trying to you know stand back up on that platform bring some people together and we have a plan we have a call to action lisa why don't you share what's going on
2: well
4: i just got home uh from we did vigils across the state tonight so we had vigils in wichita topeka Lawrence and in Overland Park, which is basically the Kansas City area. We're in Johnson County right outside, about 15 20 minutes outside of Kansas City. So we had vigils across the state tonight to stand for the, uh, it was National Cannabis as an Option for Pain Awareness Day the first ever and uh, Americans for Safe Access were lobbying and advocating in D.C. and so we were Holding vigils across Kansas, and I think they were all very successful. So I am stoked.
6: <laughs> but,
4: uh, so I'm happy. I'm happy about many, that. But part of
6: how many people did you get out there?
4: Uh, well, you know, it was really short notice. So I told everybody, you know, I don't care if you get five people. It's about that we show that we stand, and we send those pictures back to ASA National, and they take those to DC to show that patients across the country are standing in support because, yes, it's about cannabis as an option for pain, it's about the national health emergency, and all of that ties into that rohrbacher FAR is going to be uh, meeting its deadline in early December. And if that is not renewed, uh, that puts the 150 million patients who have legal access at this point in harm's way of federal prosecution we go back to those days and also all of the work that those of us who are doing in as part of the coalition so you know James and Georgia me in Kansas and uh, you know all the other people that are part of the coalition uh, we might as well close doors because our states will never push forward if they think that they're going to be in the way of uh, federal prosecution so um, our argument was, we. I stopped by our um, Kevin Yoder's office, who's one of our national uh, representatives in D.C. And he has told me before that he believes it's a state's rights issue um, and that it is specialized uh, outside of the normal federal supremacy clause and that he states court cases. He believes the courts have proved that and backed that up. So I asked to hold him to that, ask for his support of Robocryphar. And then also we gave them our 43-page compiled research document on how medical cannabis has an evidence-based role in curbing the opioid crisis. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I hope to <laughs> follow up with him on that. But um, I think what I, what I spoke to you about this week ties in with that. So this whole c- campaign is yes, we're in the middle of this national health emergency, and if you take away protection that 150 million patients have now, and then you basically close shop for anybody else trying to get protection for those patients, um, that is a backwards route, and then it's this national health emergency, and as my friend Kelly always says, he said, you know, when you When you go to fix a car, you don't just show up with a wrench or a screwdriver. Uh, You you come with a whole toolkit. So medical cannabis may not be the entire solution for the opioid crisis, but it should be a necessary and evidence-based, backed-by-data-and-research tool that needs to be in that toolkit. And I plan on sending that evidence to Trump's commission and the people working on that crisis. Uh, it needs to be part of the conversation. If we save, if we know 25 opioid overdose deaths go down 25%, uh, then you line up 100 people and you say, Well, there's 25 we can save. And their loved ones uh, and the people in their life would appreciate that. So if, if we can only save 25, we save 25. Uh, so what, what else have you got to offer at this point, really? We have data, evidence based, we can save 25 of that 100. And I bet you, It'll be a lot more. So we can definitely play an important role in that. And so, in the midst of that, we just really cannot afford to endanger Warbacher Fire. Uh, it has to be protected. And so, what I came to you with this week was with a coalition. We haven't really taken a coalition action, but I would really like to call upon every all the members, uh, the member groups and member organizations, to think about I my proposal to the coalition, is that we draw up uh, some sort of a, a statement of support calling upon uh, Congress to support rohrabacher Far and that uh, all of our individual groups can sign on to it, again, showing that unity across the nation, because one thing that one of the things that we were definitely talking about in this is that this can be a fractured community. This can be a divisive community. Um, there's as we've talked many times, Joe, there's ego and people trying to, pay, you know, lives are at stake. Warbach are far, that is a, a deadly serious thing. And this is not the time for that. This is the time for unity. We have to come together and say, nope. Uh, we are watching. We will pay attention to our representatives in our states. We are all going to pledge that we are going to contact the representatives in our state uh, on the national level and tell them that we want this amendment protected, and we're going to stand together, and we're united in this. And I just think it's it's important to do for, for those of you who are already – I know you hate the word legal state because there's still so much persecution that goes on, but those who already at least have some protection and um, –
6: and I'll, sure. we, need,
4: we need to yes and we need to extend those protections and we need to be right in Sessions' face and telling him no you better back off little man right now um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm tired oh, i'm sorry i'm so tired i'm so exhausted i'm like oh, a no, i love up. it i love
6: it i love it <laughs> i'm going to preserve that little sound bite you better back off <laughs> little man that is wonderful i'm going to capture <laughs> and use it for others anyway what well, I'd like to
8: do is, um, like
4: you know buy a big I wanna tell him, go buy a big truck or something, whatever you need to do to feel big. Go do it like we do it out in the country. Go get a good old four by four. <laughs> go mudden. You know, uh, get it out of your system. But don't take it out on the sick and suffering. Don't show us you're a big dog by coming in on chewing on those who are already suffering. That is ridiculous. How dare you call yourself a Christian? That's my... I'm tired, so I'm letting it all hang out. I'm not even being nice. How dare you? How dare you tell me that you're a person who follows a faith that's based on the healing of the sick and the suffering, compassion for the poor and those who suffer, and then you're going to come at the sick and suffering? Oh, no, you better not. You just better not.
6: I, I just... I, I love the way you are, the way you... The way you're moved and the way you move. It's, it's, but, you know, that's, that's, that's what this is all about, Lisa. This is, you know, us standing together with those feelings and those emotions and those thoughts and those words. You know, I, I say let's do this. Uh, let's schedule um, uh, a conference call. It's been a long time, and I think that there's a specific purpose, um, and I will facilitate it, but I – i'll I'll drop a little something um and and we'll just need to share it around and um let's set a conference call maybe for this weekend. Do you have something major going on this weekend?
4: Uh, <laughs> I have to stop and think uh I don't think so. I think i have uh I'm going to another opioid meeting on friday uh <laughs> and I think that I said I don't think I have anything this weekend um. So okay. you know we're, we're, or so whenever you want to schedule it, I believe the deadline is december eighth uh, i would have to double check that. I'm sure my Karen knows
6: uh, a month. or a little more than a month, I'm sorry, but you know it's funny this 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 bill back in 2013, um Dana Rohrbacher submitted the bill that was the precursor to this, which was the respect state's marijuana law act of 2013 and I don't know if it's changed much but at the time it was five lines it was the shortest most well-written bill that I'd ever seen and I typically don't get behind legislation because I see it so flawed and I'd rather just you know do it the way I do it but I got behind this this was before we were 501c3 and I could get away with it but frankly (laughs) this is the same heart of that and as an individual I can do whatever I want um and and i think that as a coalition that's one of the strengths of the coalition we have c4 c7s all sorts of other organizations beyond the c3s that can absolutely support legislation lobby and that's the value of having a coalition is that we're all of these groups standing together so um i will yes have to or facil- even as an,
4: even as an individual who happens to be the head of the this- you know, organization. So if your organization yeah. can't do it, because uh, we're not, you know, we can't really operate on the national level. But I can as myself, and I just happen to be the president and founder of of you it's know so. Bleeding Kansas, bleeding. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so as long as
6: um, you're not putting a significant portion of resources towards any legislation or or candidate, you're fine. There's n- us okay, standing good. together for one thing. You're fine. There's no. It's not that you can't touch it. It's that you can't, you can't put a significant portion of your resources towards it. So you're we're, we're totally good. <coughs> well, I, I say that um, between now and Saturday, well, I'll push for Saturday because a lot of times most folks have things they do on their Sundays, but I'll push for a Saturday afternoon conference call. We've got a couple of days to put it together. I'll be talking with Becca and Lisa tomorrow morning, We'll draft up a uh, um you know, either a press release or a little call to action and we'll get it going.
2: Awesome.
4: I think it's great. I, I absolutely think it's wonderful and bless you. And are you sick? You sound sick.
6: No, I just have allergies and so <clears throat> when oh, the winds okay. were blowing and then I went back east and breathed in east coast air and you know, and <laughs> I come back and it all You're sick. <laughs> No, I'm You're fine. Sick.
4: I, think. It's I thought he sounded like it. I thought he said, I'll "Look at him and told him to be mine." it's allergies. I love you, Joe. Well, I just, I thought it, I thought it was time. I mean, what a better time and, and a use of our coalition. And whether you do it this Saturday or you decide next Saturday is better, however we do it. But I just, you know, um, this is a, a, this is like the perfect time for our coalition to move together and especially because we are that perfect mix of legal states and, and states that still don't have their rights recognized and yet this will affect all of us um, it puts all of us in danger and so it's a it's a great time to unite our voices for all of our patients
6: I couldn't agree more alright Lisa I'll let you get back to it get some rest and uh, let's spend <laughs> on uh, Saturday you yeah, know right. I know that. well <laughs> have that option
4: at this point, right? Yeah, I'm going to be getting those pictures and videos of our vigils up, so that's what I'll be doing. (laughs) Well,
6: I'll be looking for you, know. All
4: right, right, well, God bless you.
6: Try to get some rest, Joe. Beautiful. Thank you, and God bless you back. Um, Lisa Sublet with Leading Kansas, again, another warrior woman who is just out there pounding, it. I have never talked to Lisa um, without, sometime in the near recent past or present her not doing some major motion doing some action she is always active in addition to raising a family and doing all the work she does she's always pounding for the cause so i am always constantly inspired all right what do we got left here we got 17 minutes we got ray sharp a defendant who i believe has some good news but first um I got some great news. I told you guys I've got something that's coming up in, um, in later on in the show. It's now later on in the show. We have, it's been almost two years, probably more than two years, since we've chartered a new chapter. And it's been, I don't know if we've ever, besides my chapter, chartered a chapter that came from a defendant. After their case was up, we just, you know, 90%, as much as, you know, 97% of all cases settle in plea deals, um, 97% of all cases that the Human Solutions supports, um, the defendants go on their way and, and don't even kiss us goodbye. It's just the way it is. But lately, we've had a few cases where... The defendants have been standing with us afterward. We got Dolores Halbin, who's stepped up afterward, and and she's been very vocal and participating. We got Michelle Button, who is participating after her case, and now we have Albert Thomas. And uh, Albert Thomas had a case in Oklahoma, one of the most toxic places on the planet, a place that is maybe even worse than Kansas, at least as bad. And uh, he ended up taking a plea deal, but he really didn't have a choice the way things were bearing down on him. And, frankly, the plea deal he got was a good one. He was able to navigate the system and get out in a way that didn't drag him down, and he's able to um, speak out, he's able to travel, he's able to live his life. And he made a decision not that long ago. And I'm going to bring you up, Albert, and you can share it with us. Albert Thomas, welcome. Welcome
9: to the show. Well, thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here, and I really appreciate you sharing my, my story, the background. Um, you know, I, I listen to Craig Cecil, and, and, and he's so inspirational. Knowing what it's like to be in prison and not, not have a, a, a way to get out, it, it's just devastating, you know, and I, even listening to him today, the man stays positive, and, I, and it just blows me away. And so that, that's what actually has me encouraged, I think, and, 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 and gave me the impetus to want to represent what you're doing here where I'm at in Hawaii. So I'm just really grateful, and, and with that, you know, I'll let you take it from there.
6: Well, I just, um, we, we, yesterday we've issued a charter for the very first uh, new chapter. Uh, and like I said, it's been over two years since we've chartered a new one. Or it's been about two years. We did Kansas and Kansas City about two years ago. So, um, anyways, I'd like to officially welcome and announce the birth of the new, oh, wait, the name. You're supposed to share the name with us. <laughs> What would you come up with?
9: I sent it to you. It's it's the Big Island Hawaii Court Support.
6: Beautiful. Well, there we go. We got the Big Island Hawaii Court Support chapter of the Human Solution that now exists and is chartered and in good standing. And Albert Thomas is our Court Support Coordinator, and we'll be uh, having regular updates. We've got one case that we're supporting out there right now. Uh, Albert has met Cher Christie's in contact with Roger Christie and I feel very strong that we're going to have a nice uh, Hawaiian family developing out there I know the Islanders are very family centric and I know that um, you know it's it's uh, it's the perfect place for that to happen and you've got the right demeanor the right attitude the right experience um, you represent us with pride and 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 dignity, and I'm just really proud to have you be part of this
9: well thank you Joe. like
6: i say again
9: i'm sorry i I'm just saying i I'm just saying it's it's really important to to be around like minded people. So that, that's why I'm really excited about what we're doing here and, and the possibilities for the future. So I look forward to it, Joe.
6: Absolutely. All right, Albert, um, we're going to go. we got a little bit more time, and i got enough time for our NorCal report and an update from one of our defendants. So once again, folks, Albert Thomas from Hawaii, and our new chapter has been born. All right, Um, we got Ray Sharp up next, and I understand we've got some news out of the Sharp camp. Ray, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
8: I'm doing pretty great. Um, You know, it's just, I'd like to say it's been a long rodeo, you know. It's uh, 14 months, and uh, I was able to get my case dismissed, and I uh, have to say thanks to Tom and Don Corby out of uh, Orville, the Human Solution, Alex Lyons, and uh, Dr. David Allen out of Sacramento, um, very great, positive people. You know, I had a lawyer at the time. She never got back with me. Um, I got introduced to Tom. He's a great guy. He says, hey, did you ever ask for a discovery? I said, what are you talking about, Tom? I even, you know, I didn't, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, get the discovery. I was able to get the discovery, go out to Tom's house, sit down, talk with him. Um, he went over it. Um, I mean, look at things. And all the reports you could just see where the officers was breaking the law themselves. Uh, they told on themselves. Um, then my lawyer found out that I was talking with the human solution. So um, she counseled being my lawyer. So that put me in a real, a real uh, spot where I had to represent myself. And um, I just have to say thanks to Tom and the human solution. You know, they, they helped me out. They told me uh forms to go down to the courthouse and file, and uh, with their help, by gracious, uh, we was able to get this case dismissed. And uh, I just want to say, you know, if you're living in Butte County and you're going through what I've gone through, you're not alone, but there is people out there that can help you. And your your first start should be with the Human Solution, a nonprofit club that is out there just to help people, fill them with the knowledge that they need to know, help them with their cases, um, go to court, court supports for them, and stuff. So you so you don't feel like you're trapped.
6: Well, you just you just said it so well. Uh, people yeah. that don't get uh, what the human solution is all about, you just nailed it. it, it it's it's.
8: Yeah, there, it's so, just a bunch of great people that you know. People travel from miles away, sixty, seventy miles. They don't even know me, and they come in, and and we all got our green ribbons on, and we're at the court, and they're there to support you. They're there to listen to your case. They're they're there to help you out. They if you don't understand it, they will help you understand it. I'm telling you, if you are feeling like a victim in Butte County, your best bet is to get a hold of the human solution. They're a bunch of great people. They're they're more than great people. They're like family to me now. I, I I'm ever thankful for Tom and, and I'm grateful for his friendship that I have with them and I always will be and and I always will be uh you know feeling that I owe Tom for everything they just helped me get through and stuff. And I just want to say that you're not alone out there, but you do have to put in your, you know, when you get told things, you have to go through this paperwork, you have to read it. It's hard to understand. You And, and you might read it a hundred times before you find out what's what's really uh, being said about you or to understand how it's reversed or or, hey, this never happened, I was here at this time, or this didn't happen, this code enforcement is basically, um, it, it's a big big way of, a, of um, extortion to medical patients because the state of California gives us a script, but they don't say, well, in order to have your script, you're going to pay us a $1,000 thousand a day to have your medication, and, and that's what the county was trying to do, and like I say, it, it was just a great help that, um, I got a hold of Tom, and he was able to help me out. And I'm just hoping that people that are listening, if you're going through it, just get a hold of them. They, they don't ask for nothing; I, just a friendship.
6: I I, I hope that um, you'll you'll carry this feeling um, into the future, and and be there with Tom when the next guy comes through. That's that's the strength most definitely when,
8: most definitely. I, I saying, if oh. I hear people in the situation, I try to refer them to Tom or or Alex or you know and and try to and try to help other people out in the community too, because uh you know we're we're not doing wrong you know we're we're doing we're doing what the state of California allows us to do, and counties need to recognize that you can't discriminate on somebody because they might have a smaller piece of property or or they might not have this much income and that's what that's a lot of what goes on
6: I know yeah, and that's as you understand. You know what's behind all of the, the the regulations and the laws and how they get enforced or not enforced? It always seems to come down to that one person vying for power and and uh, pushing yes. pushing their on on another. And uh, exactly. you know what? I'm just I, I'm very tickled to hear that that uh, you got your case dismissed. Where shoot, that's three victories on this show alone today. Uh, three victories right on. and a couple of action. That's pretty good. Pretty good show so far. Well, listen, Ray, uh, I, I I celebrate your victory with you. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if uh, one of these cases comes to trial and we actually pick a jury, um, you know, I do what I can to be up there if if needed. So I, I, I've gone up there many a time, and I'll do it again if I have to. All
8: right. Thank you very much. And thank Tom out here you in betcha. Orville for me. Appreciate it.
6: You betcha. All right. Ray Sharp from Butte County. Uh, Defendant that just beat his case, and we just love to hear that. All right, we got Bobby Jared coming up, and then just enough time for Tom Corby and the NorCal report. Bobby, you're going to have to make it a little quick, and I uh, know you're not a man of brevity either. But welcome to the show.
3: Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Uh, how are you doing? Uh, real fast here. I want to uh, thank Tom Corby as well for helping my good friend uh, Frank Canan out and um, getting him out of his DUI there the uh, driving our influence, uh, cannabis and other stuff. And, uh, well, anyhow, he beat it. That's another win for Butte County. Congratulations to Ray Sharp. And I wanted to touch on that opioid thing you guys were talking about. You know, um, well, you've known me since I've had my intestines hanging out of my stomach and put back in. And they <laughs> did that all with cannabis. You know, not not anything but cannabis. And not nothing for pain anyway, and epidural. and after after that, I've been using nothing but cannabis ever since, and it seems to be working well for me. I still have pain, you know, but I'm not addicted to nothing. I I don't need to, to run down to a doctor and and beg him and lie to him and, and cheat him out of you know. I feel like a a a drug addict to to feel do you know to have a quality of life anymore. And I I think the key is education here, and if they would start educating. At these kids in schools, you know more about the dangers of the pills. Instead of coming in and saying, "Oh, do you smell this at home?" You know, well, we better go bust your parents. Then they ought to start asking, you know, "Do you see these hypodermic needles laying out? Do you see a lot of pills? Do you see, you know?" It's, it's just a shame. And I, I wanted—I just wanted to say something.
6: Right on, Bobby. Well, you—you you are absolutely right. And we've watched a lot of addicts over the years, actually. Get off of their drug of 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 whatever the you know whatever it was. If it was the painkillers or the or the the antidepressants or the muscle relaxers or some combination thereof, um, we keep watching it one after another. And yeah, it's not going to necessarily do everything for everybody, but it can certainly help free you from the chains of addiction and those drugs no matter what they do to help you they always yeah. aren't going to kill you it's just what they do so bobby thank you so much i've got just
3: mm-hmm. enough time very now. much yep. i love On you and have a good have a good evening
6: yep. love Bye, you back mommy. bobby yep. all right yep. bobby jared from Oroville, california all right tom we got just enough time for your norcal report and if we got to go a minute or two long we will i thought that um the preemption of the World Series was going to cause for a short show, but turned out we don't have much short show in us now, do we? Tom Kirby, are you there? All right.
10: Uh, Yeah. Am I on?
6: You're on. Put the phone up close to your mouth so we can all hear what you're saying.
10: Thanks for reminding me. And actually, that's a good point, Joe, to remind everybody to talk into the phone. Man Or have a I really loud voice. Yeah, yeah. I always thank those on the all on the front line and Joe and Mary and, and don't forget the coffee party radio show and Bobby Rodrigo. Uh,
6: thank you, I did not do my plug
10: <laughs> I'm honored to come for defenance like I have in Northern California uh, like Frank Kanan and Ray Sharp, Alex Lyons all the defendants that have come back for me and thank me from the bottom of their heart this means so much they asked me why we keep coming because so many came for us beforehand. And Ray Sharp, Frank, Alex, Nick Moran. Now we have our friend Roel Cruz and Pierce. Eric Pierce coming up here 15th of November for his TCR for misdemeanor mushrooms, they will all tell you they will not take even three-to-one odds with me. Not about what I am, you see. It's what I represent, and Joe, and all those on the front will tell you it's what we, resent, we, we represent. And they will all tell you they will not take odds with me, that their case will be dismissed. The cases now, Joe will tell you, his, is, his and my alone, these cases now are really weak. Uh, and we always first come, people are asking how we're getting all these dismissals, acquittals in Butte County and Northern California. Even James Beno now, his case is not limbo. And Mary, our screener today took them on in Roseville and would have been taken infraction had her case dismissed. In Northern California, Aaron O'Neill, I could go on and on. They will all tell you some of the key things and Joe has always taught me come from advocacy. And when you do that and you come from advocacy and you start helping defendants get their discovery, how can you work a case if you don't know what's exactly against you, and your police report, I keep responding on this is your first discovery, and it's not scary. Once your book, go online, Google it in, and your whole police report will pop up. And start working your police report with your advocate, whoever it is, your attorney. Start working your own case. Nobody knows your case better than you. Start writing your own statement, your own brief, everything that happened. Start throwing everything you can at him. The first thing you always do is you file. And like Ray said today, and Frank, and Eric Pierce will tell you, you can file yourself. It's almost better. They will tell you how many defendants had to come in and and defend. Not find and the proper time uh the uh, uh, anyway the, the word anyway so <clears throat> you can file yourself it's uh, going to the courthouse and they'll they'll guide you or the or the DA's office and file yourself and make sure that that these files are t- uh filed in a timely manner. We always come from the first File motion you file is a 995 uh, dismissal on probable cause. Caution to verse uh, the warrant on probable cause is so important. It, it's 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 the number one uh, the way we're winning these cases up here. Number two, uh, Frank, Banan and 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 Ray. Alex will all tell you they were having their rights to waive time and taking them right on to a speedy trial on a 45-day time waiver. Joe will tell you he's told me for years, and we try to tell folks, did you know that if more folks would take them on to trial and throw everything at them, make them sick of you, your case, 90% of the time, will go away. Hey, and. after have- <laughs> yeah, so we need to get you up here, Joe.
6: Uh, I know. We have I guys. A- <laughs> Huh? I said I know. Yeah. I miss you guys.
10: All right. Well, whenever we get you up here, we're. Fire's ended park. yet?
6: We need. I'll come up after the rains. I wanna. I, I don't right. wanna be up there. Burning.
10: Right. Why don't you do that and and, and course spring. That lovely Liz and, and Kathy Z and, and the crew and we're going to have harvest parties in this garden we're doing. Uh, maybe next oh, week I'll yeah, expound.
6: Sure. <laughs> sure.
10: Yeah, some of the things you can do in your garden to have this awesome garden that I've never seen in 50 years that we're doing here with of course a lot of help and takes years to do this this gardening right and have a successful garden. And of course, it's all the gravity. Anyway, I want to jump to the ch- uh, chase here on Eric Pierce coming up. It's on the human solution at international.org slash calendar. We inspire you to go there and let us know uh, when you have a case so we can promote court support. It's so important to have somebody coming for you and supporting you. So Eric Pierce is on the calendar now, coming up here on another, probably about at least the fourth TRC, which is a trial readiness conference. What's that mean? (laughs) Most of the time, like say, Joe, we don't go a long ways because it means very little. Most of them are continued, 90% of them. Why is that? That's because we keep throwing more at them. And they keep throwing... Yes, Yeah, we keep throwing it at them uh, Subpoenas, uh, whatever it is And we back them down uh, And we uh, we went in cases In Northern California, left and right Actually, besides Eric Pierce Compared to six years ago When my wife and I first went to jail for this plant Uh calendar was full. I was in the court every day. Trials from here to Timbuktu, North Calvary. Now, my calendar, I have only Eric Pierce left. I'm also giving him three to one odds. He won't take it. He, thought, he just said he stand his ground. He's next for another dismissal in Butte County, North California. So, if you stand your ground, take him on the trial, and they don't like to have to work, and it, you you have to realize too that public defenders, which are public pretenders, get three to times the money if they can plea you out. And what they do, like they did with Don and I, with Joe and all of us, they throw so much at you. We were up for fourteen years, both of us, three hundred sixty thousand dollar bail, four months, four days in jail, separated. Uh, two days in solitary confinement that I spent. And if you haven't went through this, I hope never have to. So what we asked, if you don't for yourself, comfort your kids and your grandkids, cram- no one should be going to jail for a plant. I've been fighting for this right for 50 years. What's that say? I quit cigarettes 47 years ago, and I chose cannabis, even doctors back then agree that cannabis does cure cancer and it is good medicine and this is what I, earlier that was mentioned about descheduling, no schedule on cannabis that's what my uh, said in co vision and Human Solution International always is to deschedule cannabis and provision free for all our POWs and like Craig Cecil I can't imagine George Montorano, I've standing in the ground 33 years in there and out here. What are they doing? Coming to help others fight this war on cannabis. Thank you all today for listening in and those who talked today. And thought I would say, don't forget to breathe and it really it does help you take a deep breath and let it out and keep coming strong stand your ground. Thank you all today North Cal.
6: All right well thank you Tom Corby with the North Cal report I want to thank uh, non-compliant Mary for doing a fantastic job screening and I want to thank the coffee party and the coffee Party radio network for giving a place to be and I want to thank Willie Nelson for his undying support, and we'll see you all next week.
10: Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant.
5: Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my